I Care A Lot is the new film written and directed by Jay Blakeson and stars Rosamund Pike, her performance of which is gaining awards buzz. But do we care a lot or do we care a not? This opening gag sucks. I'm still Mike. And I came up with it. <laughs> and this is Popscorn. <laughs> Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we are talking about I Care A Lot. Uh, launched on Netflix in America, launched on Amazon Prime over here. It's something of a streaming site whore. That, I hated that opening gag. <laughs> <laughs> really hated that line. Uh, I can but, tell. Yeah. No, it's um, it's weird how it's it's been split through Netflix and Amazon Prime. I think that's got something to do with the distribution company, and this is stuff that you don't care about if you came to hear about the the actual film itself yeah it was um produced by stx and black bear so they've kind of got fingers in both pies when it comes to streaming and of course you still can't go to the cinemas unless you're in what texas is that the only place that can go to the cinemas at the minute because uh-huh. they can go anywhere without a mask for some unbeknownst fucking oh, reason god uh let's not get dragged out with that business because we're just going to make ourselves that hey at least we're getting black widow finally so it- <laughs> a lot later than we were. I know, thought. but come hell or high water, we will get a Marvel movie this year, so thanks. Um, yes, I didn't even realise it was on Amazon Prime. Um, to be fair, she was on the Graham Norton show, uh, Rosamund Pike, and did just say streaming, which I thought was a little odd, but that kind of explains that. But yeah, it's and you're right, it's gained some, some good acting, but I don't think she's up for the Oscar, is she? She's not. Um, in fact, I am just going to double check the nominations because she mm. oh, she definitely won uh, the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Motion Picture in the Comedy or Musical category. Uh. So, so that's interesting. Is that the only accolade it got nominated for? Surely not. I think it is. You know. Huh. Damn. Well, uh, when I said it was getting awards buzz, it was one award and it got it. So. <laughs> Yeah, huh. that's still buzz. That's fine. Like, it's, comedy and musical is a weird combination, anyway. That's like there's too many caveats there. But well, anyway, it got buzz. It um, did get some buzz. That is that is right. The, a lot of the uh, the people that I watch, specifically the one the ones that I like to watch in the lead up to award season, is um, Collider's for your consideration um, with Scott Mance. And Scott Mance thought she was going to get the nod, and uh, she didn't. Fair enough. Now, I will confess, I watched this when he uh, on opening weekend uh, when it came out about a month ago. Uh, so I thought it was going to be the end of year review before I had chance to kind of touch on this film. Um, but alas, um, as we're still waiting for the content to warm up, and as Michael is selfishly hoarding all Oscar movies for uh, the Oscar special uh, for us to go through that, we thought we'd touch on this one because of its kind of Oscar snub. And I am kind of thankful, because it means I can remember just how fucking little I liked this movie. <laughs> and my vile and venom is not lost to the winds of time. 
And Darren thought this was going to be a short review, but I cannot wait to hear his outbursts. Ah, gee, like, talk about having a rock-solid foundation and then completely shitting the bed halfway through. (laughs) I'm so glad you said exactly halfway through, because I'm not going to lie, the first hour of this film is entertaining. Uh Uh-huh. And then it, it doesn't it doesn't settle for jumping the shark. It has to like evil Knievel over the fucking Pacific. It just <laughs> it it goes it, weirdly enough. This is the most comic booky that uh, any film has felt this year because it's just right. it becomes so rampantly unbelievable and not fitting into this story, and it is one hundred percent of the film's detriment. I can't decide. Whether they had two separate, like, like script treatments that they Frankenstein together, or if they, they thought this was like some brilliantly subversive idea that they had, or if they felt that the premise that they had was not strong enough to carry a whole movie, so they shoehorned in just the most Mickey Mouse bollocks they could think of to, to just <laughs> chuck in to add nothing to this movie, right? So I feel it's going to be difficult to really express the anger because it does happen halfway through and it is a result of like plot changes that just come out of fucking left field. So I consider this a mild spoiler warning for most of the film. Just yeah, we'll just, try our best. I'm going to try my best, but as you can tell, I'm a bit hyped up about this, so it's liable to just spill out at some point. But <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'll give it this. I think the first half an hour... And kind of what you see in the trailers and what was said on all the chat shows that they went on and what they sold this movie as, as like a look at this kind of backwater system in America. It doesn't narrow it down. There's a lot of those. But this kind of horrible, easy to um, exploit system they have in America surrounding care homes where these kind of vultures can swoop in, posing as like a guardian angel for these um Older men and women who are kind of by themselves, don't really have a family, but have a lot of money. These people sweep in, claim through doctor's notes and stuff they've kind of made up that, you know, they're not able to look after themselves. Move them into a home, shift all their funds to their own bank account, and then basically wait out the clock for them to free up a room so they can chuck another person in there. That is an interesting premise. It is. It's uh, it's thankfully one that's not based in reality as far as I can tell. This doesn't seem to be based on a true story. However, if we're talking about corrupt systems in America, you can almost guarantee that since we know about this one, there's something mm. worse behind the curtain. Um, I feel like that, that, that core idea, if the movie was more about that, this would have been a very serious contender for uh, for best of the year. Like, no question. Yeah. Because the first half of the movie where he deals with that... And the first couple of scenes, I feel like as you're being introduced to um, the character of Marla Grayson, they feel icky. And you just, you feel yourself crawling in your skin as you watch the machine at work. Um, I wish it stayed like that longer. Sadly, it doesn't. It really, like, it, it, I, I was willing it to stay there. Like, within that premise... Um, you know, before I get into that, let's talk about some 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 actors because I do think during that first part, Rosamund Pike does a great job of kind of being the antagonist protagonist type of thing. They're they're going down. I don't want to say the Walter White route because that's giving it far too much fucking praise, but 
they're they're not trying to make the lead character sympathetic. Uh, Rosamund Pike's character, uh, Marla Grayson, is out to exploit these people, and we we see her kind of working the system and the false pretenses she puts up to make it seem like you know they're doing these old people a favour, they're saving them from kind of falling into disrepair by putting them in this seemingly quite nice retirement home one they can't leave because of security doors but still relatively nice and then we kind of you know we see the tumbling down of the walls and see that you know it's not benevolence that's a driving force here it's definitely money as we kind of see the systematic kind of taking apart of um the the old woman who is kind of the center of the story who is uh jennifer peterson played by diane west um diane weast is that how we say that? <laughs> it's the direction that Patrick was trying to explain to uh, to Squidward in that one episode of uh, <laughs> SpongeBob. Oh, East! I thought you said Weast. <laughs> we'll go with Weast. Um, so she's Jennifer Peterson. Is is um, they see as like the golden egg of this type of exploitation of like someone with no family ties, absolutely loaded, and a doctor that's that they're pally with. That can kind of say, oh yeah, I can get, I can get you a note that basically says she's got early onset dementia, and in the home, and then we just see them like scumbags just clear the house out, ram raid the bank accounts, find diamonds in her safety deposit box, and this is all, it's not necessarily legal, but also not illegal. It operates in a grey area, and that's a good premise. Like that's something that's believable that you think, well, it's America, that definitely could happen. And I, I, I really did. I, I wouldn't say I was like massively like in love with the first half of the movie, but it held my attention pretty well. Yeah, I, I do think that it really does hold the attention because it is, it is so entertaining. And at least in that first hour, it manages to keep the pace up, even though a lot happens in that first hour. It does manage to keep things just detailed enough for you to get from scene to scene. Um. It's helped by the performances. We've just said that Rosamund Pike's really good, but you also get, um, I mean, the other big name in this is Peter Dinklage uh, playing uh, Roman Lunyov, although his name isn't revealed for like the first 45 minutes or so, um, who is somebody who has links to the Russian mafia. You also get a really good performance by Chris Messina, who plays uh, a crooked lawyer called Dean Erickson. Um, I mean, I really liked him in his other stuff, specifically in uh, Sharp Objects. And he's he's pretty good here. He's pretty good here. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's it's coming off as like this, you know, the tale. <laughs> I, I was saying uh, to my wife as we watched it last night. So it's funny that it, within minute one, you're introduced to the villain of the story. And then about about 20 minutes in, you're introduced to the villain of the story. Mm. <laughs> and those are two separate characters, because this film isn't one that is looking for your sympathy. If it is, it's very misguided, which is it's something I wanted to explore with you, Darren, because I don't know whether the film is actually trying to get us on side with Marla, because it does such a good job in the first hour of not doing that, that that's why the second hour feels so misguided. Right. I just feel like they didn't have confidence to tell a villain story all the way through. It's the same problem they had with um, Maleficent. It's definitely the same problem they're going to have with Cruella, where like mm. they just can't stick the landing of just making them the antagonists. And I understand that's a very difficult thing to do. You can probably count on one hand 
at least I probably could, the amount of times you've seen that happen where they successfully make the protagonist the antagonist. Again, Breaking Bad is the only one that immediately comes to mind. I could probably think of a few more. but I mean, Thanos is the one that comes to my head. There we go, yeah. Perfect. He's definitely the protagonist of at least Infinity War, so hmm. that makes sense. But to that, I was willing them to just have the confidence to tell that story outright and just, you know, show the consequences for the actions that she, of what she's doing to these people. But they said, <laughs> nah, nah, let's not do that. Let's use the Russian mafia. So you mentioned the dink. The dink is usually, usually a high watermark for these things. Whenever he turns up, you're usually happy to see him. I'm thinking when he turns up in Free Billboards, a movie that I felt was otherwise a little boring but the dink's pretty good in it i mean game of thrones obviously um he's not the problem with the later series at all uh he's probably the most consistent part of the entire show i mean yes there's also pixels so the man is <laughs> not you know he's not perfect but usually like dink's not he's got fuck you money he does not need to get involved with anything that he doesn't want to so they introduce him it's kind of vague how he plays into the story. So um, they they are gutting Jennifer Peterson's house, and this guy turns up who's a taxi driver asking to like you know pick her up, and um, Marla Grayson's um, assistant slash lesbian lover um, Fran, plays by Eliza Gonzalez, basically says, "Oh no, she's she's um, I don't think she says she's dead. She just said, oh, she's moved into a retirement home.'" Mm. Um, and obviously, this like the, the taxi driver's like befuddled by this. Uh, and he drives to go and see Peter Dinklage's character, Roman, and says, like, she wasn't there. It's not, like, explicitly told to you straight away what the relationship is, but Roman's clearly not happy about it mm. and sends out his goons to go and find out where uh, Jennifer Peterson is. This is the point where the movie... Well, it skirts for a little bit. When you do get introduced to the lawyer character of Dean Erickson, they, they have a great scene here with Rosamund Pike. I quite like that scene of like the you've seen it in other shows the strong the, the mafia is not going to come at you with force necessarily straight away they're going to try and bribe you first and they send a lawyer in to do that um, to just get her out and just say look no questions asked I respect the hustle but take this money give Jennifer Peterson to me give all the stuff to me and you won't hear from us again I'm like okay this is where the first warning sign went off but I thought you know what this has got some good buzz behind it I'm sure it will be fine Oh, how wrong I was, Michael. <laughs> I think you're you're slightly down on the movie than I am because I think I think the point of the shark being jumped comes a little bit later on. Um, but I I actually do quite like the idea of evil meets greater evil. Hmm. I, I think in terms of having an interesting dynamic, just like. And that's what's interesting about what they've done here is that the the more legal evil, if that's even a thing, is somehow worse than the Russian mafia that traffics women. Mm. He's the one who you want to win. That's the weird thing. And it works so well. And it, and it, it at least in concept, in, in execution, it works well for 60 minutes and then and then it doesn't. Um, to me, it's like I, I enjoyed this setup of just it's trying to do what um wolf of wall street was trying to do and to you i think i mean we famously disagree on wolf of wall street because i think you you, you had a problem with its its uh its message at the end mm. and what this i thought it was doing as i was watching it was it's correcting that sin 
we are going to watch Marla Grayson's empire dissolve and then something terrible is going to happen to her because it feels like the right story to tell because it, it, it the story can't be be a cunt get dollar like that can't <laughs> possibly be the story i don't know and yet so uh, if that's uh, not an indication of where the film's going i don't know what so, is exactly but well this thing right so i i understand the narrative corner they were backed into in that if you want to have your protagonist be the antagonist you then have to pick right do we either go with introducing so when they take obviously the plot is going to revolve around them taking the wrong person but is that wrong person you know they, is their family good and we're going to see good triumph over evil like yes they're the secondary character not necessarily the protagonist but they're on the side of the angels they're going to fight this legally they're going to get the system changed they're going to do something to bring that down because it did seem like at least in setup this was going to be like an action-packed movie or have anything like that it felt set up for courtroom drama which, you know, maybe isn't everyone's cup of tea, but I was like, I can get on board with that. It seems like the way to do this. Or, like you said, do they introduce just a different flavour of um, evil to this diet evil that we're currently having? Um, so I've just made an Austin Powers reference I didn't even know. Um, <laughs> so so they do that in introducing into this movie about corrupt political citizens, the fucking Russian mob, for some reason. Um, and you're right like they immediately tell them yeah they traffic women so this is not even like a cool mob that you can get on a board with these are terrible people and i that that made me disconnect a little bit of like well i, I see the bind they were in and you have to get out of that so instead of making it you mess with the wrong people because they're good lawyers you made it you mess with the wrong people because they have guns um and th th again this is where the cracks start to f to show then we have we have a scene. This is probably again mild spoilers. The the mob fails in their attempts to get her out with bribery. So obviously they go to Plan B, where they send in like the comedy goons. The Putty Patrol goes in <laughs> to try and break Jennifer Peterson out of this place and just start shooting people. Um, in the end, the cops turn up and it, they don't. The plan does not get executed. And that then forces the Russian mob to go higher. And this is the point where I don't think anyone can argue the movie falls off a cliff. Yeah, I think so. I I actually quite enjoyed the the shootout bit in the old folks' home because I think it's just such an uh, like a strange place to have an action scene, yeah. especially a shootout. I enjoyed that. And then I think there's a character that's introduced in that scene specifically. Um, that kind of tells you the direction this is going because everyone's got a fucking taser and and then everything gets worse. So I don't think we're going to be able to talk about it anymore past this point with it. You know what? Fuck it. Spoiler alert! So <laughs> at this point, basically the mafia, the mafia decides we're going to have to take uh, Marla Grayson out. So she gets kidnapped and gets taken to a to a, a a ring of steel in a quarry where she's just surrounded by cars you're gonna have to jog my memory more because i can't remember then what happens in that scene but... oh i fucking hate that scene oh wait wait, wait is this the one where they basically put her in a car cut the brakes and try and drive her into a lake that's the one oh right. it's the stupidest shit i've ever seen <laughs> so so rosamund pike 
He basically chucked in a car and, and he just sent careening into a lake to go and drink. Why the Russian mafia just don't shoot her, I don't know. But they're, they're, you know, they've already shot a lot of people in a care home. I don't feel like they're trying to be subtle anymore. Just shoot her. Like, I know you could say that about every James Bond villain that's ever lived, but still, just shoot the woman. They send her into this lake. <laughs> and Rosemary Pike wakes up at the last second and managed to kick her way through the glass. Tiny, tiny Rosamund Pike managed to kick her way through the windscreen and get to safety. The Russian mob didn't bother to send anybody to just make sure she dreams. They leave her alone. She goes back to the flat she has with Fran. Fran's been attacked as well. And I think this is where we're meant to feel sympathy for them. But I'm like, no, you kind of invited this onto yourself by not taking the bribe. And you were still monsters for doing this willingly to a lot of old people. And that is the disconnect that I just cannot get over. That they then spend the rest of the movie trying to make you slightly more sympathetic, at least temporarily, towards both of them. And it's just not there. It's just watching two fucking idiots, like bad people, try and outdo each other. And it doesn't make for entertaining film. There's a lot of problems with the the last hour but i think i, I kind of want to start it from the top and break down every no, not every time but like the key offenders at where the the film could have been good mm-hmm. and then it just fucking wasn't for starters they do try and make at least I, i'm trying to rationalize what they were trying to do by basically letting marla live as long as she does and it's very early on you've got it's mostly her outdoing men and i don't want to be that guy but we Uh have to draw attention to what's written in the script there's a lot of talk of it's like one of the lines that really stuck out to me was like thousands of men have made threats of me and and two of them only ever came to anything or something like that Mm -hmm. then there's then there's that scene with the ring of steel and um and She's behaving like a fucking Marvel character, like she's going to like break out of those restraints and just fist fight all these dudes where that's not clearly not going to happen. And there's this kind of this there's this stereotype of like of faux strong women on the Internet. I think it's called girl boss or something like that. Mm. And that's what it comes across as. It's just this character is strong and antagonistic for the t- the sake of being strong and antagonistic and it doesn't fit the tone of the story that scene where they do uh, oh god the fucking line okay 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 in succession th- this is how that ring of steel sequence breaks the film one she gets tranquilized and knocked out for like she was put putting stuff in a car in the middle of the day she gets tranquilized wakes up in the arse end of night and then somehow that same tranquilizer puts her out for maybe about eight minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Completely like a little bit later on into the scene. I hadn't even realized that. I know, it's ridiculous. Point two Peter Dinklage says, make it look organic. And they proceed to uh, jack up her car, put a brick on the accelerator, <laughs> and try and drive it over a cliff. Organic it ain't. You had enough horse tranquilizer to knock her out for a couple of hours. Overdoser. Make it look that way. <laughs> you had an opportunity. Point three, the car goes careening off the thing and you had a perfect opportunity there, even if she kicked out the back window, Hmm. which makes no fucking sense because she apparently did this on like the last gasp of air. She woke up in the water. 
and apparently had woken up with what can only be described as the instinct of a fucking tiger. I don't know what the shit she was on <laughs> like prior I... to this scene, but good God. Yeah. So she kicks this back window out and there's this great shot of what she, you know, it, it has a moment of trial where it feels like she's got out of the car, but she looks like she's sinking still further mm. down into the day. And it's like, imagine if that was where this character died. Imagine if the next scene was the bodies being brought up and said, oh, well, you know, we found the car. It's, um, you know, the bottle of vodka, yada, yada, yada. But then it goes, the back window was kicked out and she was outside of the car. Hmm, questions. And then you have an opportunity to make a movie about not only the main character who is awful getting brought down, but also the mafia who is awful getting brought down. And then you kind of reach a resolution that at least feels like it's trying to make a point of. It doesn't matter how much you win, you still die and you mm. still lose or you can still have it all taken away from you if you make the wrong turn and all this. But no, she survives. Um, she swims to the fucking top. And there's... I don't know why we had to have an extended, an extended sequence of her losing a single tooth only to preserve it in milk so she could have the tooth surgically put back in i don't know why that was such a big fucking deal to this movie mm -hmm. that she maintains her perfect smile but it didn't make a lick of bastard sense and and then it just gets worse so <laughs> when she goes to rescue her partner slash lesbian lover and can smell gas on the fucking stairs and yet somehow that woman's not dead mm. like not only is that woman higher in terms of elevation she's also closer to the source of gas and she lives no i'm yeah. sorry she was beaten to fuck and put next to an open like an open gas tap she dead she fucking dead but then you know it becomes this fast they narrowly escape her the gas explosion and and then my my fucking friend the taser comes back in uh, as marla suddenly becomes what can only be described as female johnny english it it just it enters that they had an opportunity to tell an interesting if gruesome story and they didn't and this it sucks even more that they totally left the thread of like the uh the, the old woman the jennifer peterson of the story who mm -hmm. isn't jennifer peterson but that's a separate thread that was left mostly unresolved of her not being the big bad of her not and, and showing her time in the in the old folks home they choose not to focus on any of the things that made the story interesting so they could write a a hapless spy movie by the end and that's why it feels like a fucking betrayal of this idea yeah because all that and then it turns out not only is she an expert you know in legal systems and exploitation and has the you know kicking shampoo and horse she can also kidnap the head of the russian mafia no problem. With relative ease at a taser. Like... And then she doesn't even kill him. No, no, she'd like half-arsed it and basically gets him in the hospital. And I, I, I really wish somebody had come in with a lick of sense and just said, look, right, this first half is something. You want to talk about corruption in political, you know, and legal systems grand great that can make for a good movie this half badass woman takes revenge against the russian mafia is also separately a good idea keyword separately 
those two things together feels like you're trying too hard but not resolving anything and like taking the coward's way out by kind of not spotlight and making it a real character study of like this is you know this is bad we need to try and change the system so this type of thing can't happen instead it decides to kind of glamorize marla grayson as like a like a new wave feminist icon because she took back you know the power and she basically neutered the head of the russian mafia and and all that jazz and it just again it is slightly symptomatic of my problems with wolf of wall street which i do generally enjoy i just my head's always been troubled by the ending of just doesn't really fit this one might be an even worse sin because right I, i'm i'm already at the end is there anything else we need to touch on before i kind of get to the fucking ending um we've talked about how they really didn't utilize the the uh the mother of the the russian mafia don no. i feel like they really could have like they could have either a explored more of the exploitative situation of being put in that care home talked more about poor care for the elderly or b made her the actual villain and she's the one who's putting out the hit on marla and she's the one who brings her down mm. either of those routes would have been fucking miles better than what we got um i think that's the only thing oh and i, I just i don't particularly think that I think it's Isa Gonzalez, not Eliza. I don't know. There's no L. Uh, Eliza. We'll call her Eliza. Not a name, but fuck it. Uh, Pete Gonzalez uh, <laughs> um, was just really like just set dressing in this movie. I don't feel yeah. like she did a fat lot at all, and it's a shame because I don't. I don't believe she's a bad actress, but well, they they really did just make her the fucking shag beast, didn't they? Yeah, basically, like narratively, could she really have, you know? She could have been like a like a handbag dog, and it wouldn't really have made much of a difference, other than the sex, I suppose. Um, but it, now, oh. yeah, yeah. Other than that, her, her impact on the plot could have been replaced by a dog. So you know, it's not not great. So this is where I feel like they wanted to make a point, I guess. So. Basically, at the end, you have a Mexican standoff of Marla and Roman sitting there saying, look, we can both carry on trying to kill each other. But look, you've hit on a brilliant system here. A great way to exploit people that is basically legal to do. And we want in. We're the mob. Of course we want in. And basically proposes to bankroll a whole suite of Marla Grayson retirement homes all doing the same swindle across America. And we basically jump forward at this point, I think it's like three or four years in the future, to show that it worked. And a Russian mob-fronted, well, bankrolled suite of retirement homes are just sucking dry old people of their bank account and all their money and all their earthly possessions across the USA. So, if they had stuck with that, like, ignore all the stupid action stuff they try to in there. If that was the end goal you wanted, that can be okay. If you show that, you know, that this is bad. Because if you show that someone has made this much money and become this successful because the system is corrupt, that's fine. But that has to be a strong message all the way through. To be essentially like, kind of be like what Blackfish was to SeaWorld. You know, have that type of effect and go for that type of message. Say, look, we're making this movie entirely to highlight just how bad this very real problem is. 
and we want this to kind of you know be a way of impacting on that kind of the same way the black Klansman did it of like the point of this movie was to open your eyes to this problem so you can solve it but <laughs> instead of that they they went with the other viable option which you can have as long as you don't go with option one of showing comeuppance where a person who is shown at the start of the movie um he's the son of somebody else in the care home who swears revenge on marla at the start and he's basically then just a very convenient plot device to come at the end and shoot Marla and kill her. And that's so narratively backwards. It drives me insane. Like, either have her completely fall from grace or have it work completely in her favour and say, you need to wake up, America. Don't do both. Because then you haven't achieved anything. You've been a coward. Yep, yep it, I was just about to say it comes across so so cowardly of this film that it waits until the last fucking second for this the character. last second yeah and and the thing is you get to see vast swathes of this awful awful person winning and it doesn't like you say it doesn't have the narrative impact of the bad guys always win go and out and fix your country and it doesn't have the narrative impact of if you're a bad person everything comes tumbling down and you might die. Like they, she didn't lose enough. She'd set up this company and it will continue in her absence to exploit people. And it doesn't feel like enough of an ending. That's just, and of course they had to make the person that brings her down. They couldn't even make the person that brings her down, you know, remotely narratively interesting or connected. It's just an angry white dude with a gun. And that feels like a more of a point than anything else in the movie. And I hated it. I hated the way that this movie ended. I liked the fact that I got to see that character die. That's as much as I enjoyed. But it's hollow because it doesn't feel earned. Like, yes, you could say, in the long run, was her death the result of her actions? Yes, she put this man's mom, I think, in the retirement home, refused to let them in, humiliated him, took him to court, sued him, etc. But that's not... The narrative, if he had been the secondary character all the way through, trying and desperately, you know, trying to work in within the legal system for it to come down, it doesn't work. So he's brought to his wits end and just shoots her. That's not, you know, perfect, but it's a lot better than this, that you show the extreme ramifications. If you don't, if your legal system doesn't work and allows these monsters to grow and be successful, that you will push people to their wit's end and it has bad outcomes. That's fine. But you literally introduce him at the start and show him at the end and do not mention him again for the rest of the movie. So none of the actions that we are going on this journey with, uh, you know, of the Marla character and what she's going through and how she's just trying to cling to the power that she has, none of that ultimately costs her, her life. It's a decision she made before all of this happened. So you can take the middle bit out and it's actually a more complete story. If you just have the court bit at the start with this man and then have a shooter at the end and just say four years has passed and do a fantastic four and just say, oh, some time has skipped, nothing happened. That's a more complete and believable story than the one we are presented. And it's not like this wasn't narratively rich. You had those options. I just feel like they chickened out and just went, oh, we'll just have a few action scenes with the Russian mob have her kind of win, but then just shoot her so everyone doesn't feel like we've just like glorified this system. 
I'm really annoyed at everyone involved that they just didn't have the balls to just do something original. Just stick the course, you know what I mean? Like, you had all the components there, and you just decided to... I don't want to say have your cake and eat it, because I hate that phrase, but you get where I'm coming from. I do get, yeah. It, it feels like a great setup for a really good film that unfortunately was just executed incredibly generically that then couldn't live up to its own idea. Because the emotions that this film makes you feel in the first half an hour to an hour are very strong. And it, I, I can't see any other reason other than they, like you say, they couldn't commit to having our main character be an out-and-out awful person and the, her actions having direct consequence. She had to win for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it was so important to have this character win if you're going to take the coward's way out at the end. It, it, it didn't feel like it could commit to anything and then narratively feels like it falls short, not only at the thing it set out to be, but the thing it also could have been as well. There's no way that the film comes out of it looking good. It doesn't work. Like you say, try and have your cake and eat it. Although, why would you buy a cake and then not eat it? But yeah. Ah, it's very, it's very frustrating movie. It's more frustrating based on the fact that obviously you know that the Oscars are coming in a month and I'm trying to work my way through all of the movies. My number one movie right now of the year Mm. is a movie that feels like it is the opposite of this film. It is the, the cause and effect of this film because Mm. it's, it's a revenge story. I don't want to... You've probably already figured out which one it is based on the fact that I've said it's opposite to this film and it's a revenge story. Um, if you're in any way interested in the Oscar race, you at home have probably figured this out. But it, what that film does is show... It, it shows a victory, but it does it at the absolute worst price and it shows the character break. That's mm. what this scene missed. There wasn't a, a scene where any of the characters broke. And I can't believe I'm about to do this. But if you compare this film to Joker, at least there was a scene where that character broke before he did all the worst shit he did. Mm-hmm. It made you understand the psyche of that character and the breaking point to which you can then go and then all the bad things happen. Because what that film does, along with what they do with Thanos, is they go, here's all here's all the things that you sympathise with about this character and now you have to deal with the inner turmoil of them doing the most reprehensible shit. I didn't have any of that positive emotion with Marla Grayson. So when she wins, I feel cheated. It feels like I've gone into the bad ending of a video game. Like this is that's that's that film is what you see before it's, you see the screen that says game over, continue, yes, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel yeah. like it should have gone down that way. It it feels narratively robbed of any sort of you know, relief, so to speak. I sympathise. It is like if Hachai won a Tekken tournament. You're like, what? He won? <laughs> no, that's, that makes no sense. Why would... No. <laughs> don't, don't reward him. Oh, you know, God. Is it the end of Tekken 3? Because, like, they have a back and forth of chucking each other off the cliff, don't they? And it's yes, when, they do. It's when Hachai gets to throw him off the cliff again. You're like, no, this isn't how it ends. I know, because he chucks him into the volcano, doesn't he? Oh, that's what he does. End, yeah. of, tech, end of Tekken 2, he chucks he chucks Kazuya into the uh, into the volcano. That's why he's missing for three. Oh, can you, can you tell I'm back on the Tekken hype? Because <laughs> yeah. we mentioned his exploitative DLC practices, and somehow that made me want to play the game. 
I haven't brought anybody. I no. came very close to buying the seven foot tall fucking tie box brick shitheads, but I, I, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't yet. Haven't, or, or you know, made. famous Tekken character Negan. Oh, I know. They've literally introduced three new DLC characters. Everybody else is either returning or Negan Geese Howard. Who feels like was like it was either going to be him or Terry for Smash Bros, and they got the worst of the bargain. <laughs> and who's the other one? Noctis Lorantis Gubadoo from Final Fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> such a weird eclectic mix of characters for something that was never a crossover game. I, I, I can't tell you. Anyway, I'm so thankful that you felt the same way, Marcus. I was a bit worried, like. You you'd enjoy. I think you enjoyed it more than me, but I'm worried that you actively enjoyed it, and I, we were going to have a disagreement. And I was worried by the time of the end of the year, the bile would have calmed down. I would have seen worse movies, but not that I've seen a lot this year. It's by far the most aggravating film I've seen so far this year, and I think it's going to hover around that mark for the rest of 2021. Yeah, I think I think the problem, I say the problem, it's not really a problem, but once we've seen enough films that I don't think this is going to be on the top 10, I want to give you a little bit of um, a, 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 an eye into what my current top 10 is, because okay. I have only seen 11 movies, which means by proxy, I care a lot, is on the list of best yeah. films at the moment. It won't be, but just to give you an idea, uh, that means everything above number six, Raya and the Last Dragon, is actually a good film. So, ah. so there we go. So um, I'm not doing too badly. Six good films to five bad ones. So it's not the worst. It's not the worst. I think I've seen three, possibly four movies at a push. We are addressing that. Um, probably getting a VPN so I can watch Godzilla vs. King Kong. We are, we are attempting to watch Justice League this weekend. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure how well it's going to go. Um, because as I was saying to Mike beforehand, I wouldn't watch a four-era cutter 300, and I adore that film, let alone a much lesser Zack Snyder movie, but critics like it, so curiosity's got the better of me, so we're going to attempt that at the very least, and then hopefully, especially once Black Widow comes out, I feel like that will be, the stopgap will open, and we'll, we'll actually have a lot of films flooding in and seeing Hopefully at the cinema. If not, they'll just say, no, fuck it, we've waited too long. Whack everything on uh, streaming services. So hopefully, yeah, I I, I want to believe. Because at the moment, you're right. This is technically my top five movies of the year. So please, God, don't let there be a Sonic repeat of last year. <laughs> please. <laughs> I need to cling to some shred of credibility. The thing is, Sonic was actually okay. It was just it fine. It went bad. But it was, but he had no business being on the top ten. No, um, I think no. he was in the top five. Oh God, last year oh, was yeah. just a fucking hellscape, wasn't it? It's a, it was a write-off. Ignore it. So fingers crossed we don't have that. Like Darren said, um, Justice League is definitely on the list, but Jesus Christ, that's a long film, and holy shit. So we need to figure out how we're going to do that. But we will. Is this going to be the first film that we've reviewed twice when we get round to it? Did we have a standalone Justice League review? Oh, we did. We did. I oh, we did. I forgot about that. That probably says something in itself. Um, yes, it will be. Um, but it feels somewhat justified, huh? Um, because apparently it is just so much different. I mean, to me, it seems like a four-hour exercise in turd polishing. But 
I mean, it's got so many good reviews that, yeah, it will be the first one. But that might be nice, because then we have, it can be more of a comparison piece. It can be, you know, we can talk a bit, well, maybe, yeah, there is some argument to be made that we should give directors a bit more leniency and a bit more um, agency in their movies. Um, We should have let Edgar Wright do the Ant-Man movie he wanted instead of, like, sterilising it. So... There's some interesting talking points, but uh, the the horrible part of me still wants it to be shit just so we can rant about it for another half an hour and go, <laughs> no, it was a bad experiment. No, studios all the way. Don't let ignore directors at every possible opportunity. <laughs> what we're saying is we want the butthole cut of cats. We don't, we do want the butthole cut of. I still haven't watched cats. I I I don't know what level of like depravity I will have to reach of like I've literally seen everything on Netflix we're going to have to watch Cats now. Yeah, I um, value my time too much to watch Cats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, I don't have that level of depression in me. I, I just don't think I'm too much of a happy person to go, I should you know what out. I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to sit yeah. down and watch Cats. I, I, I'm a man who spent an hour this morning redoing his Pokemon Go spreadsheet, so I don't have super like value of my own time, but even I'm like, no, 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 no. There's, there's a thousand and one films I need to watch before I watch fucking Cats. Um, right. Thank you for allowing me to vent. That was nice. Um, we have a lot more positivity coming up in our future episodes. We have a Simpsons pitch. Mine is done. Michael's is there or thereabouts. It's it's forming. The idea is there. I, just, I need to get the specifics right. But it might be a bit more bare bones than what yours is probably going to be. Lovely. Well, that's coming up. We will have some movie reviews, don't you know? Ooh, coming as well. Michael, uh, Michael, <laughs> Michael's going to have his um, uh, his Oscar round up as well um, in a few weeks' time. We've got about a month before that comes out. Um, we are working on a third Pokemon pitch, but oh boy, well, I came up with a concept. It seemed fun at the time, but oh boy, it is not flowing forward as it usually does for the Pokemon region. Yeah, I haven't even started. <laughs> oh, wow. The, uh, the the Simpsons one has kind of like plagued my existence. And I'm like, I need to sort this before I can even think about doing more Pokemon. Um, but I'll, I'll get around to it. But like we've said, Justice League, Godzilla vs. Kong, the Oscars and some pitches coming up. Plenty of stuff happening. So do keep it tuned. You don't tune the Internet. We know to Foundstainment dot com as well as my twitter at that mike cohen and instagram as well and darren's twitter and instagram at the guttridge and you can find the site on twitter instagram and facebook under the username fowley and t that's f-o-u-l-e-n-t and you can find more podcasts on spotify uh, apple Podcasts, soundcloud wherever you can pick up an rss feed under the username fowley and t or fowley and t podcast depending on the service you are using thank you very much for listening to this review of i care a lot turns out we didn't Ha ha, that joke's come full circle. And we will see you very soon in the next episode. Bye, everybody! Bye! Thank fuck for that.